Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Yeah, I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Listen to Iron Maiden, baby, with me. Ooh. Hello! Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. In each episode, we'll be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. If you are a longtime listener of the pod, you will recognize that the intro music has changed. Our intro song is now Teenage Dirtbag from the band Weedus, which was an early 2000s classic and just flat out one of my favorite songs of all time. Well, you may be thinking, wait, isn't there a copyright issue here, Jordan? You can't just play random music on the podcast. Well, in a few weeks, we're going to be joined by the lead singer of Weedus, Brendan Brown, who gave the Relunchables permission to use the song for our intro music going forward. Thank you, Brendan, and I can't wait for everyone to listen to that episode in a few weeks. Anyways, on this episode, we are going to be joined by the writers of Horse Sense, Chad and Carrie Hayes, identical twin brothers who made the natural transition from writing DCOMs like Horse Sense and Jumping Ship to writing some of the biggest horror films of our generation, from House of Wax to The Conjuring to The Conjuring 2. They've also been tapped to write the new Die Hard prequel movie, McLean. I'm not sure what percent of my audience is interested in hearing stories about both Horse Sense and The Conjuring, but I guess we're going to find out. Just a heads up, there is a point in the podcast where we talk about Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenant, and this was recorded before we found out that it was going to be pushed back indefinitely. So let's get into my interview with Chad and Carrie Hayes. And just because I love hearing it, let's play that Disney Channel original movie, Intro Music. So we are now joined by the writers of Horse Sense, Chad and Carrie Hayes. Thank you guys so much for joining the Relunchables podcast. Hey, our pleasure. Really our pleasure. Great. I know how many interview requests you must get for Horse Sense, not The Conjuring or Annabelle, but Horse Sense, top of your (laughs) media request list, right? Every day, man. It's crazy. It's just crazy. (laughs) Wait, what movie was that? Which one was that? (laughs) No, very, no, we're kidding because Horse Sense has always been dear to our heart because it's the first movie we wrote that our kids could see. And uh, because we had all been doing these features and it was PG-13 and more. And so uh, we go, oh, let's write one that they can watch. So, and that was the first one. That's awesome. And you guys are identical twins, right? Yes, yes. So our mother tells us. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's gonna be tough for me. I know you have like your little name icons underneath you, but I'm still gonna have to keep this straight as we go through this. I'm always curious, you know, there's so many brothers working in Hollywood. You have the Cohen brothers, the Safdie brothers, the Duffer brothers, you know, the Duplass brothers. Can we get you guys on an amazing race or something and see the different brothers in Hollywood compete against each other? That would be fun. I'd do that. I'd sign up for that. That would be great. You know, you know it's, it's so crazy. It's because sometimes we, we get hired to do these things called writer's rooms. And it's like when a movie's either been shot or it's just about to be shot and they want to try to make it scarier or more action. So they'll, they'll just hire a bunch of writers for the day and you don't write anything down. You just, they hire you to just think out loud. And when we do these things, cause writers never meet other writers ever, unless you <laughs> share a writing credit and you're at the premiere or whatever. And last time we went, uh, one we were on called Rampage, the Brad Payton movie. And they had about 10 of us in there. It was all like this, what? Oh my God, you wrote that? That's just crazy. Great. And so really fun. And finally to put a face to it, but, we worked with the Hober brothers. Carrie, who was the other set of brothers? We did Whiteout, and it was written by one set of brothers, rewritten by another set of brothers, and then Carrie and I came on. We're the third set of-, of uh, <laughs> All brothers. All it brothers. Was, it was so funny. It was, we got a private screening for the, for the writers, and there were six of us, and we're, you know, teams of two brothers, and we're looking at each other, and when, the guys in the front were the funny ones. They go, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to watch. And, that's it, I think you know the writers. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I want to go all the way back here. I believe you guys grew up in Portland, Oregon. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. We are born there. Yeah. First, what? A handful of years. And then we moved to California. We've sort of been here ever since. We came down in the first grade and then moved in third grade and came back fourth grade and sort of been here ever since. We ended up going to Lake Tahoe, living up in uh, high school up in Lake Tahoe. And then Karen and I went to school at uh, Santa Barbara, UCSB, and then transferred oh, yeah. to UCLA. And then once you're in LA, we always wanted to be screenwriters. We wrote our first movie when we were in high school at 16. I had such a passion for it that we just felt we needed to be on the scene. And then, so we just came down and just got started. And it was, it's just been a blast. We, I always tell my kids, it's like, if you find your passion, you know, it, just find your passion and you'll find success. And it just does not seem like work. It just does not, you can't, you can't believe you're getting paid for it. It's just so fun. And I'm sure, was writing always the passion or was acting, you know, in there as well? I know you guys maybe started in a double mint gum commercial. Is that true? Yeah, we did. Jen and I did all of the acting career because of the twin gimmick. And yeah. uh, we did every, every twin something, whatever you could do, we did it. And it was fun. And then we went, oh, we're tired of being judged as twins. We're actors. So we separated. So we're not doing any more twin stuff. We're going to pursue independent acting careers. Then neither of us worked. <laughs> maybe the gimmick was what was working and then um actually and then a couple things started happening acting wise and uh, we came to a point in our career where we were doing acting and writing and one was pulling the acting was pulling away from the writing a little bit um because we we're gonna have to split apart i was gonna go to new york and work on a show and chad was doing a movie and and we thought man this this could be the end of our writing career you know, at that time, there wasn't, you know, cell phones. I mean, uh, easy ways of communicating and all of that. But we just said, let's stop acting. Let's just do the writing. Let's just, you know, way more control. Our families will love us more because we'll be home way more. And, uh, and so that's what we did. We shook each other's hands, said, done with the acting bug. Unless somebody just puts us in something because auditioning is a big pain. And uh, um, we just have fun. It's funny because... Uh, a lot of times when you're doing these films and you get to know your directors and your directors always think like, oh, the writers always want to be in the movies. And because we've done that before, our, when we were working on this movie called Crucifixion in Romania, the director, Xavier Jens, was like, I have the perfect scene I want you guys to be in. And you're out and it's in a, in a crazy asylum and you're going to be co-joined twins and it's just going to be insane. And the first thing we said is, wait, where in the schedule are you shooting that scene? And he goes, oh, it's the last scene. We go, You've gone four hours overtime every single thing. That means not until in the morning. Not that important to me, but thank you very much. You know? it's, it's, I miss it. Gary misses it. Our, our kids have all dabbled in it, you know, which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, it's like Carrie said, we just made a, a conscious effort, kind of just shook each other's hand and said, let's just focus on the writing. And it's just sort of been that way ever since. And I'm, I'm gathering it was a good decision. We've had a good run. So I'm happy we did that. I would say so. And especially now during this quarantine, writing is kind of the only thing you could do right now, right? I think we're the only people on the planet where our lifestyle really hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. We just stay at home and write all the time. I mean, the socializing with friends. Yeah. Yeah. People always say, oh, God, you know, everybody's talking about it. I'm ready to blow my head off. You know, I'm going nuts. Like, you know, all that stuff. And Chad and I just go, well, not really very different. You know, I can still walk to the store and you know, my kids. Uh, it's I like, why is everyone else here, right? You're used to everyone else being out of the house, and you guys are at home. Jordan, last week at the last week at the beach, I go, <laughs> no, everybody's back. No, it was it was yeah, because it was your beach. You're right. You know, it's 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 kind of the 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 crazy thing is 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 we a friend of ours had said, you know, if I knew being around my kids twenty four seven was going to be this way, I would add two less. That's for sure. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so let's get into, of course, why we have you on the podcast, and that's to talk about Horse Sense. How did that come about? Was that a relationship with the Disney Channel? Was that just through, you know, an agent? We writing it on spec. How did that process yeah. kind of start? I'll be honest with you: is uh, Carrie and I were writing a bunch of movies at that time, and our kids came to us and said, "How come you don't write movies that we can ever see? Because you know they're either rated too high, too high, or you know not in their age group." So uh, Carrie and I had had a meeting at the Disney Channel 
prior to all this and we kind of looked at each other and we had an idea that we thought would be kind of good for it but uh, we ironically were represented at an agency in LA and we walked outside the door after one meeting and we ran into Joey Lawrence and and I'm literally walking out the door yeah and I, I've known him since he was six years old and hey guys how's it going and um and Karen and I both went ding I got hey you want to come with us into Disney Channel and pitch this movie? Because I think you'd be great. We could bring in one or two of your brothers or whatever. At that time, he was going so strong, you know, in uh, his career. And so uh, we went in and sold it. And we brought on his brother, uh, Andy, Andrew, I'm sorry. And, um, and the only regret after filming that one is that we hadn't used all three brothers. And that's why we did Jumping Ship. So Matt could come in and make it all work, work together. But you know, it was one of those ideas that we just pitched out. It made sense. And it was a massive hit for Disney Channel. Um, and it's something that we didn't really understand until they laid out the numbers of cable. We were used to network TV. And um, and it was enormous. We uh, I don't even remember the perspective, but literally we finished that one and then they ordered the, the sequel uh, immediately. But it was a pleasure. Those boys and their mom and dad are just the, the greatest, greatest, greatest. And, um, you know, Susan Walters, who has done everything, you know, had an enormous career. was so great uh, playing playing the mom. Um, and it was and we just, shot. It was uh, we got to shoot it in L.A. So it was uh, it was great to go to set and come home at night, you know, sleep in your own bed. And um, and it was uh, the more. I mean, again, brothers working with other brothers. You know, and granted, they were, you know, their age gap was a little different than ours, but uh, there was a lot of laughter, a lot of just, it was fun, you know, because, you know, you were pulling Joey out of, out of the acting Beverly Hills world, kind of is what his character is, you know, and then <laughs> the family ranch. He played it so well, you know. He just, would, I don't know if, if you, you'll remember because you've seen the movie and in that stampede and he's trying to call 911 yeah. and there's a stampede behind him and stuff. And that was all, that was kind of an afterthought that we put into the script when we kept thinking like, well, what's the city boy not going to get used to? Well, horses, <laughs> cows, cows yeah. chasing them. How does city boy deal with emergency? Well, you just call 911. Like, <laughs> like the ambulance or the cops are going to get there before the cows run you over. And oh my God, we were there at that scene and I have never laughed so hard in my life because he was scared shitless. He really, <laughs> he really was. It was, it was. You know what? Uh, also, one of the fun ones was um, he walks out his first day at the ranch, walks out and uh, uh, Andrew and his mom are sitting there on the porch looking at this amazing sunset. Oh yeah. And he just kind of looks around and goes, hey, what, what are you guys looking at? Like he was <laughs> so oblivious to any of that stuff. And he just, he plays it. So he just plays oh, it great. It was fun. It brings you back a lot of fun memories to think yeah. about it again, Jordan. Thank you. No, the Lawrence brothers were incredible. I think my first introduction to them was through the show Brotherly Love, which was airing, I think, sure. right before Horse Sense mm -hmm. started. But I'm curious, kind of writers bringing on actors and being involved in the casting process is not typical, right? No. No. Now, we were also exec producers on the movie, yeah. but... Um, but when one of Joey's thing was, is he wanted to produce it with us if we do it. And uh, we worked with Andrea Baines, who was our exec producer on the movie. And she was very embracing of that. So, you know, mostly in TV, writers become producers, you know, especially showrunners and so on. Not so much in the feature world uh, until, you know, sometimes later in your career or you're doing independent movies or so on. But, um, you know. It's a little different. It, it is and it's it's if you can if you can package if you can package things now it's it's sort of become a different world and even in this covid uh, environment right now we're we have two tv series that we're going out with and we're in the middle of two kind of big features right now one at dreamworks and a really cool independent movie as well um and a lot of that the discussion on the television series was let's package it up. And again, Carrie and I are showrunner, executive producers, writers of the show. So, you know, we have a huge say in who gets cast and whatnot. But if you can, if you can just build up your, if you can stack your deck, so to speak, and, and have someone or even director driven, a lot of times in these pilots is really, really cool. Um, but I, I think it's much different. And I don't mean this in an ego sense. It's just, it's hard when you're starting off because you don't have the credentials yet to attract those people, you know, and unless you have that one script that they just, they gotta do. And that happens too. So I don't, 
I don't want to burst anybody's bubble out there that's an aspiring screenwriter because you're literally one script away from it all happening. It just has to be really that's all. Gotcha. And I'm curious where the inspiration for Horse Sense came. Was it through you guys kind of growing up raising kids in LA and wondering, am I, you know, raising these overprivileged kids in LA that have everything and, you know, maybe we need to humble them down and send them to Montana. Where did the inspiration come from? Do you know, um, and I can't remember, did Joey got in trouble? Um, did the cops come into his garage? Did the garage door slam down on his car in that movie? Well, he, he got, got trouble. a car accident. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ted and I had heard a true story of a kid who was from Beverly Hills who tried to outrun the police and went to pull his car into the garage and, uh, and hit the garage door to come down and duck down in his car. And he kept hearing wham, wham, wham. <laughs> and he looks up and red lights are moving in his garage. And then he looks and the cops had chased him home. Harry, was, didn't Paris Hilton tell us that story? Was I, don't, I don't know where we heard it, <laughs> but, we, but that got us, we got the, the idea of going about how, how out of touch, you know, um, you know, it's also Chad talking to, I forgot the gentleman's name that we talked to at the Disney Channel, you know, but we talk about, I believe Chad had been dating a girl from Beverly Hills and she gave him this super expensive watch. And, 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 and the guy, the executive is like, oh, God, only somebody from Beverly Hills, you know, and like it's nothing. And then our upbringing at Tahoe was so grounded and, and you know, people had horses across the street and we had 90 people in our graduating class. And, and moving to L.A., you saw the difference. So we went, oh, here's a really fun idea, you know, to bring the city boy into the country. And, you know, and, 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 you, and you show... You know, the beginning of the arc is, is, you know, Andrew's character came to Beverly Hills first to have fun and Joey had no time for him because he's too busy doing all his Beverly Hills things. And then we thought the fun would be to play it, you know, as a punishment, he's got to go make up for it. And then he tries to play and he's got the, you know, the $600 cowboy boots, the, the linen suit. You know what else, uh, Jordan, is that um, Karen, Karen and I both love horses as he's our neighbors across the street had horses that they never rode. So they kind of gave them to us for the responsibility of riding them. And we actually started riding them to school, which wasn't that far away and, and just feathering them up uh, in the trees and riding back home at lunch. And then my wife and I moved our family to Colorado and we had horses out there. And it was just it was just the fun of, of having a passion for animals as well. But um, they're so magnificent, but if you don't know them, you boy, you, they can be terrifying if you don't know what to do. And I think that was the other sort of genesis for the introduction of, well, fish out of water. I mean, it works all the time. And so uh, I forgot about that story, Carrie. I, I forgot, you're right, that we, we heard about the kid who was trying to be really smart. <laughs> I can't remember what in what context was. You know, Jordan, a funny story too is when we were shooting out in, uh, how was that? I can't remember how fast. Oh, Disney Ranch for a while. Disney Ranch, and uh, they had that set there, and it was the day they brought the bull, Goliath. Yeah. And that bull it did not like Joe. I think it was his clothing <laughs> or something, because he was so paranoid to get close to that bull. And it was just, it was massive. That thing was huge. And the guy kept saying, don't worry, he's gentle. He's a gentle thing, you know, but it's like he didn't want to take any chances. So I think it helped him on, his, on the day of shooting. You know, I'm so curious. Can I throw a question back at you? It's like, yeah. what, what did you love about Horse Sense? I mean, you're such a big fan of it. I, we love hearing this back. It's really important for us. You know, I would, I would just love to hear what, what, what drew you to FM and why you became such a fan of it. I think it started at the time I was growing up in South Florida, and I had never been to LA personally. So I guess what you know, what Michael's going through in that movie and kind of his experience is kind of what you see from an outsider's perspective of LA, you know, the glitz, the glamour, everyone's going to horse tracks and, you know, just spending yeah. money and driving around in Porsches. And I guess that wish fulfillment as a young kid across the country, and then yeah. seeing that all kind of taken away from him and having yeah. to be, you know, supplanted in an entirely different environment. And at the end, kind of seeing, you know, the true value of family and also just, you know, all those material possessions aren't that really, are really not that important at the end of the day. So yeah. to me, that was kind of, I don't know, when I think of Disney Channel original movies, Horse Sense is the one that comes to mind like immediately. And there's uh, been some great ones. 
Thank you. Yeah, they did her whole run. We loved Johnny Tsunami. And and that was such a great film. And I mean, we were so thrilled to do the sequel and went down and shot that in Australia of all places, which is kind of interesting. We had a number of films shot down there. And Carrie, you leaving us? (laughs) (laughs) The uh, the gardeners outside. Welcome to COVID world. (laughs) Close the window. Um, Anyway, and so, uh, I mean, just even getting to regroup the camp again when we had all the same people. And, and then this time Matt, um, Matt came on board and this guy, he is hands down one of all those Lawrence brothers are like the three stages. They are <laughs> so fun, so sincere uh, in, and yeah, drive nice cars, but really grounded kids, you know, and they grew up in that environment. Um, I, I don't know. My hat went off to all of them because we just had such a, a positive experience and, you know, in the land of Hollywood where, they, they epitomized those successful kids, you know, and and got to do all that stuff that they wanted to do. They were still so family oriented. They they all lived together on a compound. They all had their own houses, but still together. It was really neat. And they have great parents, really, really yeah. good parents. Yeah. No, they're really talented actors. I'm curious. This is a really nitpick question. I know I'm taking you back like 20 years here, but Matthew Lawrence did have a very small, uncredited kind of cameo in horse sense when you know joey first comes off the plane in montana are we to assume that that character is also the same character in jumping ship playing the ship boat captain is that a you know a little uh, continuity there or no no it was no <laughs> well actually it's a better story if it was yeah actually it was you know, there we go. Yeah, it's a writer you just edit on the spot and that's, that's the it. headline you know that's, yeah that's a great question you know what i totally forgot about that it was probably uh Greg, uh, even the director, probably threw him in just so we'd have. He was you know, probably on set. I bet he was just visiting us. If you look at the Lawrence Brothers credits on all of them, I mean, because Andy's been on Five O for, or he was on that show forever. And if you look, Matt's been on there. Joe's been on there. And then when Joey did Joey and Melissa, you look, both the brothers have been on that show. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fun, but it's the way it should be. It just, you know. Oh yeah. Quite an observation. Wow, you. <laughs> I totally forgot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I spend way too much time going back and watching these. Uh, the next question <laughs> I have is, you know, the main plot comes down to a land trust, and that's how they're able to save the family ranch at the very end. And I'm curious, I went to law school, and I never heard about a land trust. Was that something you were just kind of researching and trying to figure out how can we tie this up? Or did, you know, did you have lawyers in your family? How did that come about? No, you were exactly right. We, we, we needed the plot point, and we were like, how is this legit? And we literally <laughs> looked it up and went, land trust. That's how <laughs> you do it. So no lawyers, no, and no Google at that time. So it yeah. was sort of like, I think we could talk to our, you know, we have attorneys that are on our team and I, maybe we talked to Jeff Frankel, Gary. I can't remember. One of our lawyers, I think, had this idea of this is how it can work, you know, and then we sort of got, uh, you know, got on that tangent and started studying that a little bit. But um, now we can't take credit for that genius idea <laughs> of how to make that work. It was, um, I think it was Jeff. It might have been our, I think then Jeff, Jeff Frankel has been our attorney forever as a wonderful guy. And I, and you know, as writers, you pick everybody's brains, you know, and it's just like, who do we call to find out about, like in the Conjuring movies, we have this wonderful gal we work with, Diana Pusuka, who is our religious studies um, expert on the Conjuring movies. And so when Karen and I need anything, she's head of religious studies at UNCW in Wilmington. We call her for every little like religious <laughs> you know, thing. And, yeah. and ironically, she's always got the answer. So, um, but no, I, I wish that we said that we had come up with that idea because I was studying pre-law at Harvard and uh, <laughs> you know, that was a court case. <laughs> so as someone like myself, I'm, I can't watch a horror movie. I am just too scared to watch any type of horror. So unfortunately, I try to pride myself in the research I do for my guests, but there was no way I was going to sit down and watch The Conjuring or Annabelle or even House of Wax, even though I think many people now consider that to be more comedic than horror. Uh, But I'm curious, as someone like myself who's kind of going through IMDb, it seems like it's a natural transition from horse sense to The Conjuring, right? (laughs) Well, you know what, Jordan? It's a a great question. And I'm going to say there's a lot of similarities, all right? Because... In our movies, especially The Conjuring, like in Horse Sense, it's about family. The core of the movie is really about family, and it's you know it's Joey coming to terms with that. And part of what we wanted to push in The Conjuring 
was, you know, uh, the parent family were super tight, but they were fractured. But we really wanted to uh, uh, open up a love story between Ed and Lorraine Warren because they would sacrifice anything for each other. And they, and they did multiple times. But um, that's always at the core of any movie, whether it's scary or not. Um, we always want that in our films. You know, it's always about, it will always go back to even House of Wax, brother and sister, estranged, ends up falling together, you know, to, to get out of the freaking house. But, um, you know, what else is, um, when we were, when we did Horse Sense, uh, we were just on a really big roll doing these television cable movies. And I don't know, we did 15 or 16 of them, like all in a row. And being on location and we were working on TV series at the same time and it just pulled a lot of time away. And we were, uh, went to our agents and said, how do we get into this feature thing? Because we started features, then we went to TV and we wanted to get back into features so we could work at home and teach soccer for our kids, you know, coach soccer and stuff. And so literally they, they put us into a, with an agent at William Morris and who was a transition agent. And one of the first meetings we went to was we met up with Susan Downey now, she's married to Robert Downey, but she was head of Joel, Joel Silver's company at Darkcastle. Susan Downey and um, Eric Olson. And uh, we just had a greet meet and they had read a script of ours that they liked uh, and they weren't gonna buy it, but they threw a title out to Karen and I, it was called House of Wax. And we, Warner's owns the title, what does it mean? And so, uh, we had always truthfully wanted to write a genre movie. We just thought they were so fun and we didn't grow up watching them like you, like seriously, like you joined me, terrified me. And like our, one of the first movies we were offered was a remake of um, Chainsaw Massacre. And I didn't watch that like this, like, like, like it was just, I don't like it when they bloody and gory and all that stuff. Anyway, so, but we ended up getting House of Wax and, um, Karen and I had pitched an original idea. We think every other writer went in to do a remake and we just said, let's use the title and let's come up with something new. So, but that kind of put us into the genre business uh, from the success of that. And then, you know, we, it's, we're still working with Joel. We have another movie with him right now. Um, and it, it was been a great experience, but when you have success in that area, you're coined as that. Um, but we go outside the box. I mean, Carrie and I don't have credit unless you go on IMDb Pro. And we worked on San Andreas for two years with King Johnson and, and had such a blast and it have kind of moved into bigger action films along with genre. Um, but anyway, it, it's been it's been a, a great ride. It's been a really, really a great ride. But the transition is um, it's hard to be pigeonholed, you know, into one thing. Um, and it's like what Carrie said, we like to put redemption into all our movies and that families always win, you know, yeah. and that's an ongoing theme for almost every movie that we make. And we are really drawn to true stories as well. And uh, I mean, or sense wasn't true, but I think a lot of people could identify with, you know, the loss of a job, the loss of a farm, you know, what, what does it take to keep this family together? Anyway, sorry, kind of a ramble there. No, not at all. No, I think that's important to mention. And I'm curious, how does it, how do you guys go about kind of writing a horror script? To me, it's, it seems challenging in a sense because you got to build suspense. And a lot of that comes from when you're watching the movie is just a lot of quiet moments, a lot of, you know, the music, the score, the jump yeah. scenes. How are you kind of guys, when you're going through and writing a script, how are you guys incorporating that? Maybe leaving some space to just, you know, for silence. Cause that's honestly the most, at least when I do watch horror movies, that's yeah. the, you know, it's just the suspense. If you, I don't know if you've seen The Invisible Man. I, I watched that recently. That yeah, was great. It was really like, great. Yeah. yeah. And it's just yeah. seeing, you know, just walking through a hallway and just seeing the perspective from The Invisible Man. You know who he is, where he is, but it's that suspense, I think, that gets the audience really gripped into what the, you know, what the storyteller is trying to portray. Hold on, guys. Give me a minute to tell my listeners about Simply Safe Home Security. I'm not sure anything could have helped that family in The Conjuring, but Simply Safe couldn't have hurt, right? It was designed to be easy to use or protecting your whole home 24-7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. Head to simplysafe.com team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com team. It feels good to fear less. And now, back to the show. You know... Jordan, I think uh, a lot of our success in getting movies made from script 
to to the screen is Chad and I's writing style is is we like to write it in a way where you'll read it and you'll feel like you just saw the movie. Hmm. And, and and it's so it's not it's it, we've put a lot of ambiance in there. We never talk about music unless it's a really important song, but you do the best job you can. But when you're seeing it on the screen, you you better have a pretty good director because directing horror is like directing comedy. It's all in the setup. It's at the payoff and the pacing, you know, and, and it's how you move the camera. And yeah. you know, using James Wan as an example in The Conjuring, uh, <clears throat> we had a scene where uh, Joey King uh, woke up and there was something behind her door that she could see. And, uh, and then we go, Chad and I go, when are you going to put the witch in the door? He goes, never. I'm like, what? He goes, because people's imagination will go, if she sees something we don't, they're going to be way more scared. And so I'm using this example because the director who has great understanding of what scares people. I mean, it was really funny because when we were working on that movie, James is a night owl. Chad and I, you know, like kids, so we're, we're like, get me into bed, man. I got to get up early. So we were, we would leave him with emails of our work and then wake up with his response. And then <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Well, Johnny, he says, he goes, I'm reading this scene and I'm really freaking out, man. He goes, I just got a dog and the dog's sitting in the corner, looking away from me, staring up in the corner of a room. And he goes, and there's nothing there. And he goes, it's just the worst feeling in the world. And he goes, I'm all alone in my house. And we go, welcome, James. You know, you're getting what you direct, basically. But we did end up with a dog in Conjuring 2, you know, that did some weird, you didn't see it, but some weird stuff. But, uh, yeah. It's all it's all pacing. It really is. And, and, and daring yourself to be a little different, you know, because you can either have an attic or a basement. You know, it's either daylight or it's dark. You're either possessed or you're not. What's the ghost look like? You know, what's the effect? So what are they? Because basically, people are so, I think, burned out on, on visual effects these days that you get to the basics and the grounding. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's like the conjuring were basic, elongated scares. You know, when, again, we have a scene where this witch jumps off this, this armoire and, and it's in a bedroom and all the lights are on. And Chen and I go, aren't you gonna turn the lights down? Shouldn't it be dark? And he goes, no, you don't think this would be scarier in the daylight? You go, <laughs> actually, yeah, it would. <laughs> But it's it's doing different things like that, which are fun, and you change it up. You know the the movie we're doing now that Chad had mentioned, the independent movie, is based on the Lori House in New Orleans. It's the most haunted house in the French Quarter, and we've been down there three times. We, we stayed there. We stayed over a night. God, there. <laughs> if, if, if you don't believe in spooks, I dare you to get with us. We actually house. wrote the first draft of the screenplay in that house, and oh. <laughs> you cannot yeah. tell me after after staying there. You cannot tell my brother and I that supernatural does not exist. At we knew all. it did anyway. Like that's my worst nightmare. <laughs> well, I won't invite you down there because one of our producers was with us and he had a, an unbelievable experience that I woke up to his yelling and screaming and he was in the room across. It's, it's a 15,000 square foot mansion. It's enormous. And uh, he was in this massive bedroom across the hall from me and he woke up to a boom, something thumping his chest. And he got out and he couldn't get out of his bedroom. And I woke up to him screaming, swearing, <laughs> yelling, doing all this stuff. And I just woke up and I opened the door and he, boom, he gets the door open. And he realized, he goes, oh, there's no way I was holding the door closed because I just swung my door open. And that dude left and we've been down there two more times. He will not go into that house. <laughs> he just will not go into the house. But I wanted to answer a question of yours that you asked earlier. That um, Our approach to writing these things, which is really cool, is things when you're a horror writer or genre writer is why why don't the people just leave the house seriously like why not just leave so that's usually your biggest challenge on getting around that and then secondly Karen and I have an approach that we love roller coasters and so genre good genre movies to us are like roller coaster rides you, you get in you know you're going to be safe you put the belt on okay so now you're in the theater what's the ride and there's no roller coaster without going up a hill first so what's that up and then oh my god wow like this yeah. 
but you need a little bit of a reprieve after that. So now you're like kind of doing it again and doing, so that's our approach to these films. We like try to make them like fun rides, you know, where you can still relax, you can still breathe. You need to laugh, you need to um, have emotion. Um, you know, you need all those human elements too. But anyway, you had asked that question. So that's that's sort of our approach on how we do this. If I heard one creak, one door or, you know, stair creak, I would have been out of that house. I would have been running. I have to tell you. <laughs> Jordan, I woke up. I woke up and saw a ghost. There was a ghost standing yeah. next to my bed. And I looked at him and he was an older gentleman uh, looking at me sideways profile. And he had this, like this forest green shirt on and these gray slacks that were kind of hiked up a little bit. And I remember I wasn't scared. I was like, what time period is this guy from? Because <laughs> the house is over 200 years old. Yeah. I didn't feel threatened by him. And then in the morning, I told the, the, the caretaker, who she and her husband have been taking care of the house uh, for years. And I described this man and she goes, gasped she goes oh my god that's my husband tommy he died here and i'm like oh. and she has she has her oh her daughter her granddaughter's there and she said pull up pull up some pictures of tommy and she pulls them up on her cell phone no lie and i look at him you bang that's the guy i saw that was him <laughs> and you know the house is so full of dark spirits that my only guess would be he's there protecting his wife and it's, you know, just they, they clean the house. They're, those, they have well, so they many it, yeah. She's a manager. She runs the property. It's really, uh, yeah, the day before we all arrived down there, the, and then we don't have to talk about this anymore, but the day before <laughs> we arrived down there was they had a cleaning crew in there because they woke up and every, and the house is four levels tall and all these beautiful dark hardwood floors were covered in white feather dust, like little feathers and dust. And they were like, had no idea, but because we were coming in and it's so big, she hired four crews to come in and she didn't tell us that until after we'd been there for three or four days and it kind of freaked her out. Um, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. That's, uh, Next podcast. <laughs> there you go. Comes out. You'll come back for our Mythbusters podcast on ghosts and all in Supernatural. There, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Have you guys seen a resurgence for Horse Sense and some of these other, you know, films because of Disney Plus and these movies kind of being back into circulation and more widely available? We, we haven't seen it, but we've heard that that is in fact happening. And the interesting thing is, you know, my daughter and son are millennials and they, they, they love to rewatch these movies that were part of their childhood, you know, and sharing them with their friends. So uh, I would say, I would say definitely. You know, um, I don't know the numbers, uh, to be honest with you, but uh, we've gotten that vibe. It's it's very weird. Carrie and I did a, a movie as actors a million years ago called Rad, and it was a BMX bike movie. That was just a huge, giant cult hit, and we were act we were we played twins in that movie. Surprise, surprise, yes, <laughs> yeah. It, it astonishes me even today the interest that still exists in those kind of movies. You know that people are really really into them and I, I think there's just an element in your childhood or your you know wherever you were in your age that you just so identified with something there um that it just kind of glued itself onto you but um no man i i think there's i wish there was more of those feel good kind of movies and original our our town although i mean we're writing some original films now but you know they tend to what you know want to make you know marvel movies because everyone goes and sees them and, and it's like when when you know we go back to Star Wars, that was an original idea, you know, and and I wish there was more of those. I really do. I just I understand it's a business, it's a high stake, a risk. Movies today, those kind of films are just so expensive that people lose jobs over making decisions like that. So um, anyway, maybe it'll turn around at some point. It'd be awesome when we when we entered the business. If you had an original spec script, you could sell it for a lot of money if people loved it if it was an original story. Now it's got to have some sort of IP attached to it based on a book, um, which isn't bad. That's your opening weekend. You know, if, if, if your book sold 3 million copies, 4 million copies, you know you have an opening weekend because those fans yeah. are going to go see your film. Um, and it, I have an appreciation for the business side of it. I don't, I, I'm not being cynical. I'm being um, just sort of a like, a, you know, when you, when you think back in the past and how things used to be, it's um, 
you know, it's a wonderful creative challenge to come up with stuff like that, but you know, it's cyclical. So yeah. it'll probably yeah. go back at some point. I hope so. I think you're right. The 40 to $100 million drama is just, it's gone. You know, I think, you know, Jason Blum has shown, you know, what you could do with, you know, five to $20 million budgets in horror. And I think rom-coms yep. have now gone completely to Netflix and streaming. You don't yeah. see rom-coms anymore in theaters. No, it's too bad, isn't it? It's just, uh, they, they were the best date night movies ever, yeah. you know, to go and, and take a date to. It's, it's funny because, um, no, I and, and no, you're exactly right. I'm just completely agreeing with you. And it's too bad. It's really too bad. But you know, in in this whole COVID nineteen environment, and we can't go to the movie theaters. In retrospect, thank God they're actually putting some of those now on there where we can we can participate in it. I, I you know I don't have to tell you the the world's changing. How we all come out of this in different ways is going to be just so interesting. Right now we're we're being you know, the industry is trying so hard to re-gear. Do you have, we got this call yesterday, do you have anything we could go shoot New Zealand that's completely contained? We'll bring a virus-free team and cast, and we'll be in one location and no one leaves. And that's just the way it is until we're done with the movie. Well, that's the challenge that we're at today. If we really want to get back in the movie business, we have to consider stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting process. It really so many of our friends were shut down in the middle of production, you know, and uh, my my son's two roommates are two of the stars on Riverdale and and he had this great place all to himself because they're always <laughs> up in Vancouver. He's in Beachwood and then they're like, dude, we're coming home. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm out of here. But they got shut down. You know, someone got the virus in there and, and, and rightfully so. They should have been. They should have been shut down. So um, anyway. Just yeah. Pitch in the choir. Everyone knows this. Yeah. I hope you don't lose that theater experience. You know, I'm really curious, especially now with PVOD and the premium on demand where people are just spending 20 bucks and they get, you know, the invisible man right into their homes. And yeah. I think horror, especially it's that communal experience in the theater that makes oh, horror yeah. so special. Yeah. 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 Everybody gasping. It was uh, when Chad and I went to the first test screening of the conjuring, we sat in the very back and watched everybody watching the screen. <laughs> And that was the best you could ever. Oh, it's do. awesome! And people were flinching and screaming, and arms going up, and you're going, "Hoo Just what you want, <laughs> you know? You know what's coming, and they don't. It's, uh, it's a great way, but you're absolutely right. It's such a bizarre thing to. So many people have put so much money into home theaters that their home theater experiences are actually really nice. Yeah. You know, some people have larger screens than others, but TVs, you know, and so on. So, but for me, I love that movie reaction. I like being in a theater, you know, and, and, and listening to people laugh at certain jokes. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's fun. I hope, we, I hope we don't lose it. It's interesting because two things are going to happen. Either a surge of production because everybody's so burnt out and binge watched everything. There has to be tons of new material or people go, I'm not looking at a TV for a year, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to actually read a book. I might even go outside and walk for a bit, you know, or talk to my spouse or my kids. But it's, uh, you know, it's you surf around and go, yep, nothing came up from yesterday. Nothing new. <laughs> I want to watch. It's crazy. That's that's a that's like our nightly experience. It's just um, now we delved way more into like documentaries and really going down that rabbit hole of just you know, um, you know, James Patterson has a whole bunch of these little <laughs> movies out these these documentaries that are really interesting. But I'm I'm like my brother. I think we kind of watched everything now, and it's and we do anyway. You know, it's like a part yeah. of our business, so we really enjoy it. But it's. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully, uh, we'll know sooner than later. You know. Yeah. Yeah. People say that, and I think as soon as Tenant comes out, the new Christopher Nolan picture, I think people are going to be flocking back to theaters. I don't know. At least I, I hope, hope so. so. I hope so too. Oh. Do they have a release on that, Jordan? Do you know? I yeah. think July is what they're going with for now. I think he's been pretty like headstrong about doing that, but I don't know if that's going to be feasible. Wow. Well, it's so interesting. Uh, do you know if Quiet Place uh, too has a, a release date? Have they? I'm not sure if they postponed that start. It seems like everything's been pushed back to next year. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot. Um, a kid that we're working with, um, Corey Miller, wrote a, a script that Mel Gibson and uh, what's it called, Carrie? It's uh, it was going to be released released through Sony theatrically. Now they they are putting it on um, on streaming. 
and uh, been putting a huge push that way. And it isn't like they're afraid of losing money. They just want to get the product out there. Yeah. And man, you watch the trailer on this thing and it gets me excited so much. I mean, a little bit more. Okay. I know I'm going to watch it at home and, and be supportive of this, but it's a, um, I think it's a way that a lot of this is going to start happening. And because think about it, you, okay. You set your slate. Like when we did the conjuring, we we're supposed to come out January 25th and the testing came in so high. It was decided, no, we're going to make a summer film and go against all the big hundred million dollar movies and be the only genre movie out there. And that was a genius maneuver. It was really smart on, on New Line's part, Warner Brothers, to, to do that. And it was successful. But now, so we own that weekend as far as genre, so no one else would come up. So now, if you go to all the movies that finished just before COVID-19, that have their release dates already set, and then the movies that couldn't come out because of that, it, it, it's going to get complicated. You're yeah, going to have a yeah. plethora of, of other material. I don't know how they're going to work it out. I really, I... I I don't know. I'm glad I'm not that executive at the studio that has to has to decide. So since we're talking about all this IP, I have to ask, I know you guys were attached to write the new Die Hard, you know, sequel or yeah. prequel McLean. Yeah. What's yes. the status on that? Oh, it's so cool. Uh, we had a blast. It's over at Fox at the moment. It got bogged. We have three films that got bogged down in the Disney acquisition, which is not to say that's a bad thing. It was just complicated on what are the new movies we're going to do. And, um, and McLean was one of them. That's what it's called. And it was literally, it's a prequel to the Die Hard series. And you meet, Bruce is going to be in the movie. And you meet him at the very beginning. And then you flash back to when he's 27. And you, you find out where Yippee-ki-yay motherfucker came from. <laughs> you, you, we got to establish where he met his wife. And it was so fun uh, working on that. So to answer your question, I, I don't think they have a date yet um, to, to start shooting it. but we wrote the pre, a prequel to The Omen that is also sitting there. And we did a rewrite of the film, The Entity, which is always, it's also there. So um, it's just in limbo land. And, I, and then all this hit and the studio took over, the other studio. So I, they got a lot to figure out over there. Yeah. I wish I had a crystal ball. I really do. It would be great, you know. It's so <laughs> nice to know when. But Well, Carrie and I were huge fans of the Die Hard series. And the opportunity to be able to come on board and, and do that film was very, very exciting for us. And um, the idea of just going backwards, you know, a prequel uh, and establish who John McClane was and where he came from and how he got all his quirks were just a blast, absolute <laughs> blast. And I will tell you, when that movie gets made, diehard fans will not be disappointed. There's so much cool stuff in there. And, you know, we're reintroducing another character to play, play Bruce's character. Not to say that they can't do another second prequel to the original. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what was his life in between that and the first Die Hard? So it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, New Mutants. And that's another one where Fox, yeah. you know, Karen and I worked on that for a little bit. And, um, you know, reintroducing a whole new line of characters that can spin off and go in different directions. So um, I don't know. Again, it, it's it's a hard thing to figure out. It's we just wait and see. It's not our choice, so we got to just wait and see. But thanks for bringing it up. That 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 script is that close fun. to our. That was a good yeah. It's really good work on. No, I'm really excited for it, and I'm glad you're using a different actor because I think uh, after the Irishman and seeing all the de aging technology, I don't know if I wanted to see a new you know younger Bruce Willis with the new uh, CGI. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Uh -huh. No, Bruce was stoked. He was stoked about it. He was uh, at one point they were ready to get rolling on it, and um, uh, something happened. He either got something else that put a little delay in it, as far as I know. But I haven't heard. Our my, our kids are friends with his kids, and and when my son was talking about it, I went, "How do you know about this?" Oh, Tallulah <laughs> talked about it, you know. So it, I knew the chatter was there, uh, but I don't know. We'll see again. Uh, Chad, Carrie, I can't thank you enough for your time. I just had five rapid fire questions to end on if you guys are ready. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, any TV shows you guys are currently binging during this quarantine? Carrie, I'll start with you. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, finish, let's see, Hollywood, I freaking love that. That was my, my go-to. Um, and I love Killing Eve. Yes. Those are, you know, fantastic. Yeah, it's a, both of them just, you know, my world. Um, and then just going back through uh, 
my, my boys are huge fans and I started watching Parks and Rec and I had not watched any of that. And then I go, I can't believe what I've been missing <laughs> this whole time. It is so quirky and fun. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what jumps in my head right now. But you know. You're watching everything. All right, my wife and I were three seasons behind on Billions. Okay. And uh, so we jammed on that. Three seasons behind on Homeland, jammed on that. Ozarks, which is oh, crazy, yes. crazy great. I love that. And then uh, what did we just watch with the uh, same girl from Ozarks? Uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, so I mean, the, there, there's your answer. And there's probably so many more. Oh, my God. Did you guys get a chance to watch uh, Tiger King at all? Yes. Yes. That's another good <laughs> one. That was brilliant. That was really I loved brilliant. it. I, and yeah, now they're making a movie and Nick Cage is playing the Tiger yeah. King. So now I can't wait for that. that. I think that'll do enormous, enormous business. That's We just had Saf on the podcast, actually, and, oh, you did? and surprised him, you know, who had his arm taken off by the tiger. And yeah. apparently when he was interviewed by uh, Joel McHale on the Netflix special, he said that he wanted the kid from Johnny Tsunami to play him. So I surprised him live on the podcast with Brandon Baker, the star of Johnny what? Tsunami. I'll send you guys the link, but oh, it was a priceless oh, reaction. Yeah. TMZ oh, ended excellent. up picking it up. So it was a, a nice little moment there. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Chad, Great. what about a favorite restaurant in LA? Oh my God. We eat out all the time or order in now all the time. Um, okay. You're going to think I'm crazy. And because it's not a glitzy thing, we live close to Beachwood Canyon, and there's a little Thai restaurant there called Thai Pepper, and it's run by a mother and her daughter, and uh, and it is some of the best Thai food I've ever had in my life. But you know, any of you people watching this that you want to go there, don't go there in a hurry. It's very <laughs> very small, and and you bring in a deck of cards and you just kind of wait for the food to come. But oh my God, it's phenomenal. We go there and then there's a French bistro that we can walk to called La Poubelle, which is is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And it's it just, you feel like you're back in Paris, especially when you go inside. I, I could keep you busy for 10 minutes over <laughs> this because we literally eat out or order out all the time. Carrie, what about you? Uh, my favorite go-to, I live in Malibu, is Christie's. It's uh, locally run, uh, Greg and his wife, Christy, um, they're they're rock stars in this world. The food's always great. During the uh, the fires, the um, you know Malibu fires that hit in November a year ago, two years ago. Two years. They, uh, I was I'm part of the Malibu a volunteer Malibu West volunteer firefighting department. So I was you know I had a badge to go. So I was here and and uh, kind of camped out for ten days with no electricity. Um, I had a generator and all that. But Greg called um, one of my friends who were here and said, here's the code to the back door of the restaurant. Go in and unload all of the perishables, the meat, whatever you guys need, because they're not letting us in, it's gonna spoil. So Jordan, everybody else is like scraping, you know, stuff out of the refrigerator. We're eating like kings. <laughs> <laughs> Ribs and, and so you were also feeding though 40 people a night. You yeah, know, I had so many people coming here, but um, you know, I was I was uh, going to that restaurant many times beforehand, but that on top of it just showed, you know, the people that own it and run it, and and so Christie's hands down, that's my go-to. Yeah, it's, it's it's not big, but the food's always great. I've never had a bad yeah. meal there ever. So this is the Relunchables podcast. We do talk about kids' movies from the 90s, early 2000s. I'm curious, what was your favorite kids' movie growing up? I guess I'll start with you, uh, Chad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, God, kids. I loved this. I'm really dating myself here. I loved the movie Sounder. And I don't know, with Cicely. Um, I, Cicely. Nice. And uh, um, that was a family movie, more of a family movie than a kids' movie. Um, I remember young, early on, and we became friends with Vinnie Van Patten when he did all the Witch Mountain movies, <laughs> and those were kind of crazy. And and then to run into him and become friendly was kind of a, a cool thing to hear about his his experience. Um, we love uh, all the really the Disney movies. I'm trying. I'm just sort of blanking. You know what it was? It's like we did. We had a ritual growing up that every Sunday yeah. night, Sunday was family day. ABC. Every Sunday night to watch ABC Sunday night at the movies. 
because they were all like Disney movies. They're all family, they're all grounded, they were very entertaining. And I remember uh, loving that, you know, as being part of it. And um, I don't remember exactly each movie. God, it's such a good question. You're gonna make me go back to that age. And then I'm (laughs) gonna go, oh, this one, this one, this one, (laughs) this one. Uh, because we we grew up in a family where we went to the movies all the time, all the time. I remember seeing the sound of music, you know, and Swiss Family the, Robinson. That was a great. Movie. Oh yeah, actually, really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of brain cells. That's a great question. Yeah. I got my homework now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there, is there a passion project, you guys? You know, I know you've you've done so much in so many different genres, but is there still something you're looking to do? Maybe a musical. You know, you've kind of done everything at this point. Maybe a musical. Wow. Um, uh, it would be fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> we, we just, we wrote a, uh, after we did San Andreas, uh, Toby Emmerich, who was the head then now at Warner's, but uh, New Line, was like, what do you guys want to do? And we went, we want to write a Western. You really want to write a Western. So uh, we wrote a Western for him. And again, now it's over in Limbo Land at Warner's. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that was, that was a, a new passion for us. And we, we loved it, man. It was, it's well, it great. We were going to be directing our first movie at the end of this year, which is oh, a yeah. script we wrote that is not scary. It's a female yeah. relationship movie. Uh, oh, wow. Very, 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 very character driven. Um, and, uh, but that obviously got pushed because of the COVID. But, you know, we've had two other movies set up to direct and both times didn't happen. Uh, due to scheduling conflicts and us getting involved in other movies and so on, but that's uh, that's one movie. I'm, one thing I'm look, really looking forward to do probably be next year now. But um, just give our give it a go. Yeah, I think that's to answer. That's our next step is to move into that. And um, it's been. I mean, we've been so blessed in so many ways to stay really busy doing these other films. And when you direct a movie, you have to take about a year out of your life to be perfectly honest. And so um, we're not so ready to do that immediately just because we have so many other things on our plate. Um, but this was the, it's called Alone Together and it's a movie that Karen and I wrote uh, a long time ago, but it's a journey movie. It's like a old school back to driving Miss Daisy kind of character piece, you know, that's a cross country journey between two women. And uh, and it's, and we wrote it ages ago and we keep rewriting it to contemporize it, you know, because things go out of style, but it's one of those films that has always gotten tremendous response for us. And we've gotten other movies from it, uh, or other film deals. So, um, I would say that yeah, it's probably the next fashion idea is to do that. Sounds like a movie that doesn't get made anymore. And I'm sure we'll be seeing it on Netflix. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, but I just, uh, I wanted to throw it back at you and just say, you've been wonderful and, you know, um, reach out anytime. This is really fun. It's really fun. Thanks for the trip down memory lane. I know, man. <laughs> I had one more question for you guys, if that's all right. Of course. So if, uh, if Disney approached you guys and said, hey, we have this horse sense and jumping ship IP just sitting here now, you know, we really want to get into the horror genre. Can you guys come up something, you know, maybe where, you know, the, maybe the ranch is haunted by, you know, Tommy's dead dad. You know, can we work on something here? Would you guys sign up to write something? Yeah, I think why not? <laughs> I would, it would be so fun. What a great idea. It'd be so fun to bring the Lawrence brothers back and just do something like that. It would be, yes, I would say yes. If you can set that up, let me know. <laughs> why not? Carrie, if you, uh, you know, if you happen to hear something in the middle of the night, it's not a ghost. It's just me sneaking in and stealing that horse sense poster behind you. So don't, don't freak out too much. <laughs> I won't. I'll say, don't worry, honey. It's just Jordan. He told me he's going to do it. Okay, Jordan, my wife doesn't believe in coincidences. I'll just tell you this. And uh, when you reached out and, and, uh, and I went, oh, I, no, I'm sorry. Prior to you reaching out in my guest house in the back, which is my office that my son has temporarily moved into because of this whole thing. Um, she's in there and she, and the dog, we have a big lab and the dog came in and just plopped herself down. And I have a whole bunch of our movie posters all propped against the wall and one falls over and it's ironically horse sense and, and it breaks, the glass breaks. And she goes, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I said, Hey, whatever, we can replace it. It's not a big deal. And then literally then you reach out on the exact same day. Wow. Wow. Isn't that weird? That's crazy. Yeah. It's just. 
Very strange. <laughs> Maybe the next horror movie surrounds you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I'm kidding. It was a bit, what a weird coincidence. Uh, Chad, Carrie, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Relentials podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Right back at you. It was really fun. Really, really fun. Thank you, Jordan. It's really, it's been fun. It's been great. Uh, anytime, as Chad said, anytime. Love, love talking with you. It's great. I would like to thank my guest, Chad and Carrie Hayes, for coming on the podcast. You can follow them on Instagram. They're Hayes Brothers Films. Next week, we're switching it up a little bit. We're going to be joined by Hannah White. And you may be thinking, who the hell is Hannah White? Well, I'll tell you. She runs a top Instagram account for 90s, 2000s nostalgia called Do You Love the 2000s? I'm sure my listeners are already followers of that account. It's amassed over 550,000 followers. So we're going to peek behind the curtain, have Hannah on the podcast, talk about why she started the account, what her inspiration was for starting it. And then we're going to go into our top five summer jams of the 2000s. I know it's summertime, even though it doesn't feel like it with COVID, but we're going to go back and kind of relive those days and come up with our top five list. Spoiler alert, the intro song to the podcast may be in my top five, just saying. So stay tuned for that next week. Until next time. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.